Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge to makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lazada Insider Data and Analytics Series. I'm your host, Katrina, Senior Manager from Lazada Group Strategy. Today joining us, we have Bjorn from GFK, who is the GFK Neuron Sales Expert Leader in APAC. He comes with more than 20 years of experience in market research and analytics. And today we're going to discuss about predictive analytics. So Bjorn, first of all, it's really great to have you on Lazada Insider. And I can't wait to discuss with you on today's topic because business nowadays are really under a lot of pressure um, to improve their decision making and faster, which can be especially challenging given the pace of change in recent years. But before that, I'm sure our audience would like to know more about you. And uh, if you could introduce a bit more about the GFK Neuron, that would be uh, very good. Thank you so much, Katrina, and thanks so much for having me this morning. See, um, I am at the moment at the helm of um, launching GFK's uh, GFK Neuron platform at APAC. Um, this is an always-on platform that allows retailers, brands to make more data-centric decisions and ultimately enable the teams to be more action-connected insights and collaborate effectively. That's what you need to um, act to speed and ignite uh, profitable growth. And I think that's probably um, what, what you introduced the session with. Um, how do we leverage analytics um, so that we navigate better, easier um, through these times of constant change? Well, GFK is um, a trusted data and analytics partner for many years for brands and retailers, mostly in the technical consumer goods space. So what we're doing in GFK is to use combinations of data, knowledge, analytics. And in the recent years, we have radically reinvented GFK. So we moved from being um, a very traditional market research company to becoming a provider of tailor-made AI-powered intelligence platforms. And that's what we call GFK Europe. You, you have been certainly advising many businesses for years. So based on your observations and experiences, if we compare the recent two years versus before the pandemic, how do you see the role of data and analytics actually changed in business decision making? See, maybe I introduce a new acronym. Um, let's, let's call this acronym VUCA. And VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And so if we take these four points um, and see how the role of analytics and data has changed, then volatility is probably the aspect of everything happening so incredibly quickly. So what you need is data and analytics to be available equally quickly, if not faster, so that you can change and adapt your plans. So ideally, we talk about near real-time constant updates so that you're always on top of the latest market developments. The other thing is that um, it's becoming more uncertain. So every time you think you've understood how the market is going to move, like something new happens that you haven't observed in the past. So um, I think this calls for more foresight and forecasting. Um, you will never bring uncertainty to, to zero, but you want to reduce the level of uncertainty. And ultimately, this is a bit going beyond to describe what happened in the past to being able to predict what's going to happen in the future. And then with complexity, um, it's 
they're asking for for simplification. See, there's there's no shortage of data, no shortage of information available. The, the question is, how do you um, interpret this and how do you extract the right signals from all that noise in, in, in front of you? If you're able to do this, then you can prepare the best possible decisions in times of volatility, uncertainty and complexity. And last but not least, um, there is a fair amount of uh, ambiguity in the market. And this is very often um, connected to understanding the quality of the data. So how good is the information that you have available at the moment? And if you look at the heightened awareness of consumer privacy, also, is it legal? Is it okay for use that data? So for data analytics, it often means that you need to be way more transparent on where your data comes from, what you're using it for, and um, what the analytical tools and algorithms actually do. No one wants to do have a black box. So I think these two points, um, volatility, uncertainty, and then the next two, complexity and ambiguity, are probably describing what has changed in the last few years. All of these that you described just now actually really calls for powerful and, you know, insights based on accurate data, not only on what has happened, uh, like what you mentioned, but also a confident assessment of what will happen into the future. And that leads to our discussion today, um, the core discussion on predictive analytics. So let's dive more into it. What is predictive analytics exactly? Well, let, let's maybe start with a mini definition of analytics first. Um, mm. So I think maybe we can describe it as a systematic process of computationally analyzing data. And what, it, what analytics should do is to help you discovering, interpreting, and visualizing data. Actually, not just the data, but the patterns in that data. But enough maybe of this very theoretical definition. Um, what, what I often do is I, I differentiate three main areas of analytics. So one we can maybe call descriptive. And what descriptive analytics does is to analyze what happened in the past. So your trends, what kind of product category has been always in high demand and continues to grow? Or do you see prices rising? And obviously, very regular patterns like seasonality, sales events, uh, those kinds of phenomena. So if, if you do descriptive analytics, you always do this when you have your sales and revenue reporting. Or if you go into your social media, into your click analytics, if you analyze the sales amount that you have in a promotion from one promotional peak to the other, all of this is already descriptive analytics. Predictive means to use a bit more powerful computational help. So what we might call statistical modeling or even machine learning, when we try to predict more what will be the future outcome if these trends persist. What will be the future outcome if I change a bit my um, marketing and my sales activation. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to make predictions based on a cause and effect analysis. And you want to avoid that this is just gut feeling. You use statistics, you use machine learning to prove it. There's even an extension to predictive analytics. You call this prescriptive analytics when we are trying to build more like scenarios um, and say, see, the, the, the world is a little uncertain. So if it moves into this direction, that is an outcome. If it's moving into that direction, that is an outcome. And then you have even more use of mathematics, computer science uh, to enable this. 
in this way that if business they um, they can actually play around with different scenarios by sure. maybe entering different inputs, right? Then they see what is the outcome so that they can make more confident decisions. Um, yeah. You mentioned three types of analytics. Um, if we talk about predictive analytics specifically, in terms of applications, what kind of key business issues that it can best address? See, in, in my line of work, I most often come across using it in sales and promotion management or media and marketing management. So when, when you are, for example, telling panel TVs or washing machines, you want to analyze what is the impact of your price and your promotion change. Right? So how does it affect your sales, your stock? Similar to marketing management, so you're running a new media campaign, you want to understand how does this impact your clicks, your sales, how does this um, change the way consumers, shoppers perceive your product and your service offering. But you, you also have this in shopper management, so think about um, cross-selling opportunities. So someone already buys in your store a certain product, how can you entice them to buy another in your store as well? How do you can predict Sure. So consumers who are always with you and how do you prevent them from moving to a different store? And you even have it in, in payment analytics um, when you try to predict uh, payment defaults uh, or if you want to avoid fraud from and you, you are going into fraud detection schemes. And last but not least, um, many of my uh, clients use it also in portfolio management when they want to understand what kind of product segment or product category is growing faster than another. Um, in order to make sure that you're grabbing that opportunity and you have the right stock, the right uh, solutions available to um, yeah, uh, benefit from that trend. Well, these are very exciting applications. Could you give us a flavor of what are some techniques business can use for predictive analytics? Hmm. So the, the sky is really the limit here, but um, I sometimes recommend uh, partners to, to start basically with investing time in reporting, so more in the, the descriptive space, so that you really make sure that you know what happened and that you also trust that data, that it's stable. And the, the next thing that makes probably sense is to spend a bit of time on building hypothesis. So what do you actually expect when you run a promotion campaign, when you run, for example, a price discount? And what is the desired outcome and what is an expected outcome? Then you can start investing a bit into the math, into uh, the compute, uh, computational element. And very often a simple A-B test can already help. A-B tests are basically, you say, what, what happened in the past when you did something? What happens now when you're not doing that? Or you're exposing just a certain group of your consumers to a campaign and the other group is not exposed to this. So what is the difference? So um, analyze what happens in the past with your sales when you, for example, drop the price and then you adjust and say what happens if you do it a bit more aggressively, a bit less aggressively. And what's super important is to document these findings and also document the environment in which you tested it. That gives you, I think, very good insights already on what mechanics work, what mechanics might not work. And if you, if you want to do this a bit more regularly, invest time in tools that help you mining the data. I mean, we all probably sit in front of Excel um, every single day of our life. 
um, if you add um, tools like Power BI or other business intelligence systems to it, um, then this is already a good starting point. But my recommendation is always make sure that you see this as a package. You need your data, you need tools, but you also need trained staff to extract the right data. And um, that is probably a good starting point then to do more. So if you want to explore more, then it's maybe a good idea to invest in self-service analytical tools that allow you to go a little deeper. And if you then still encounter a problem that you can't solve yourself, don't be shy to ask. There are analytical specialists who do this all the time. And especially if you have a very risky decision um, that swings a lot of your, your resources and your, um, and your funds, you might actually want to partner with a specialist to uh, prepare the decision. Well, you already mentioned a little bit the road or the journey to a full-scale predictive analytics might be not that smooth. <laughs> you will need some help, yeah. you know, along the way. So, when it comes to actually adopting predictive analytics in practice, what are typically the main challenges that businesses are facing, and how can they best address them? See, I actually asked one of my my mentors uh, from from previous roles and say, hey, what has actually changed so much over over the past decades? And he said, um, twenty years ago, the problem was that you never had enough data. Today, the problem is that you have so much data that you don't even know what data you should use. And um, that's, I think, translating a bit into into the key challenges. The, the first one is obviously sheer data overload. Um, you, you need to understand what is most meaningful, what is just noise, and what is really an important signal for you. So um, I recommend that here we, we are really clear on what we want to measure and how do we define success. So your KPIs, your key performance indicators, and as I said just now, also investing a bit of time on hypothesis testing. So what, what do you think driving an outcome? That, that is the first step. And to tackle data overload. The second one that is relatively new is um, I, I call this data compliance. So not all data that is available to you is actually fit to use. So some data might be biased because it's incomplete. And um, sometimes you might not even have the right to use that data. So uh, what is, I think, important is that you invest a bit more time in judging the quality of data that you have. Um, you might even want to invest in, in neutral data from, from a third party to avoid that you have an issue with the legal use of the data that is available. The third one is coming from a discussion that I had with a partner um, a few weeks back. And what, what this partner shared with me, it's, it's, he called this data literacy. Um, ultimately, that's, that's a talent um, and training and onboarding challenge. Um, see, if, if you want to run a marathon, you won't be able to complete it if you don't train for it. And the same applies to using data and analytics. So while a lot of data and analytics is, is more accessible and easier to use, you still need to invest time in, in training your staff in reading and using that. So thankfully, a lot of material and uh, training is available, such as these, these episodes here, um, to make this, this more, more fun and easier to, to do. Um, and ultimately, it's a matter of making data analytics a fundamental part of your organization. And then maybe a fourth point, and, and that's just the sheer cost um, of, of investing in data analytics. I think that is very often 
that, that is definitely a challenge that you need to overcome. My my point is make make this part of your organization, make this part of your, your budgeting so that you have sufficient funds available ahead of time uh, to invest in the right things. Uh, realistically, not all decisions require a very complex analytical design. Um, so smaller things probably should be um, handled appropriately, but the big and risky decisions you want to support with sufficient funds. So that's maybe maybe four points to, to think about when it comes to challenges. Uh, data overload, data compliance, data literacy, and to a certain extent also cost, yes. All right, thanks a lot for the sharing on those uh, four typical challenges and how businesses can overcome them. Um, now, for companies that are very new to predictive analytics, what should be their very first step in making the leap? I think the first one, sometimes overlooked, is to confirm what problem you want to solve. What, what is the use case? And secondly, how often do you think that question reappears. Do you need to do this like only once or do you need to do this all the time? Once you're clear on this, that defines a bit how much time and resources should you invest and how do you need to think about the processes, the organization to solve a problem that reappears very, very regularly. The second most important thing is to do a risk assessment. What is the risk of being wrong? What is the opportunity when you are right. If the risk is very small and the opportunity is very small, then you it's, I think, perfectly fine to go in with um, your experience, with gut feeling, and, and decide what you want to do. But if there is a huge risk of being wrong, then you want to get like a bit of a sense of time and investment behind that and um, schedule um, your, your processes accordingly. The last point, what I always hear is um, I'm, I'm not asking for help from the outside because I think that all of this is super expensive. Sometimes it's just taking maybe a few hours with a second pair of eyes from someone who's been doing these kind of things all the time to say, hey, you are actually right and continue that path. Maybe that second pair of eyes points you to a risk that you've overlooked. So um, don't be afraid to ask and don't think that all analytics is always beyond your means of uh, of investment. I, I want to sort of you know dial back a little bit on some conversation that we had actually with your colleague um, uh, Karthik, also from GFK. So he joined us uh, you know somewhere back, and we actually discussed about the new reality of hybrid way of working. Um, and when we talk about data analytics and the usage of those by employees, right? What what are the implications of this new work working arrangement on data analytics and data-driven decision-making. It means that you need to deploy analytical systems that employees can use from, from home while they are working from home. So these systems should be nearly self-service and frustration-free. Also, we need to bear in mind the infrastructure in the home office. Now, not everyone will be in the same situation. So um, you think about uh, cloud-based systems that are easy to access with without a super powerful computer. Um, and um, also think of it through data and analytics as requiring very clear alignment processes. So if you can't go to someone else's desk or just go into a meeting room and align, you need to make sure that everyone shares the same KPIs, 
the same analytical processes, thinks in the same way about error margins, about outcomes, so um, that people sitting in remote locations can work well together. And um, this, this collaborative element is, is probably another one. Um, if the two of us would go into a meeting room, we have a whiteboard. And so we can scribble ideas and discuss it. And what doesn't make sense, we wipe off and, and start from scratch. How do you do that when you're sitting in two very different locations? So um, I think companies are well advised to invest in online collaboration tools um, using online whiteboards, Figbar, Miroboards, those kind of things instead of uh, physical ones. And um, last but not least, it's um, probably also um, a matter of um, uh, your onboarding processes. So when you have new joiners coming to your company, um, how do you make sure that they experience all of this in, in a helpful and motivating way? Um, how do you make sure that they have like a buddy system, a mentor, a coach to talk to? Um, colleagues who joined us in GFK during the, the peak of the pandemic called and said, hey, I've, I've never even seen a GFK office. Um, I've never met any of my colleagues face to face. So um, having a view on how do you facilitate that onboarding, um, I think that's a super important um, aspect of data and, uh, data and analytics. We probably have time for our one last question. Um, do you have any final thoughts you would like to share with our audience on this topic? Yeah, um, maybe maybe three, three points. Um, so I like to think about data and analytics as something that helps to make everyone a little smarter and a little prouder of what you do. So I have a good day when, when an analysis helps to solve a problem faster, makes you more confident to make a decision. Um, you see, it's a little difficult. You don't have something tangible sitting off your desk when you've done an analysis, right? Um, so how do you remember that it was a good day? And um, that brings me to, to the last point. Ultimately, I think analytics is at the core of sustainability. Um, it, it helps you to avoid waste, waste of your most precious resources, waste of your time. So if I look back at a day and the day was a good day, then I helped someone avoiding waste of resources, um, helped everyone to be a little smarter and take a decision with more confidence. Thank you very much, Bjorn, for the discussion today. I, I think in today's business environment, I would say disruption is the only constant. And what you shared in terms of how predictive analytics could be a very powerful tool to help businesses make strategic decision faster with more confidence um, in order to you know, keep disrupting and avoid being disrupted. So I'm sure our audience today are very inspired by what um, you share with us today. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Katrina. It's been a pleasure being here today. Thanks a lot. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care.